Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope that the message today would inspire and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. Uh, The Bible says that when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, that sin entered into man and death followed. Everybody say death. When they ate the forbidden fruit, even though God had said, if you do this, you will surely die, they didn't die. Physically, they continued to live. It was a spiritual death. We, we live in a time where, where death has entered the world. The Bible says that creation is in bondage to decay. And so when we look at the earth and we look at what creation is, we can see that it is decaying over time. It has been decaying since the very beginning. As soon as Adam and Eve ate the fruit, it has been in bondage to decay. And so death is alive and well in creation. When you look at animals, plants, they are born and they die. Everything has a cycle. Everything has a season. So we are surrounded by death. Uh, Even in our own bodies. I remember when I was a young buck, 20-something years old, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Bench pressing 800,000 pounds. And, and so, <clears throat> but now, you know, things are looking down. Can I just say that? I, I was uh, listening to a comedian the other day, and he was talking about getting older. He said, you know, I'm 50 now. And he said, I am finding more and more often that I go to bed and wake up injured. And uh, <clears throat> I said, I identify with that. I go to bed, I wake up, I pull the hamstring, and I'm not sure how that happens. So death is alive in my body as well. But spiritual death is the, the spiritual force of the enemy coming against us that is producing uh, this, this division between us and God. And, and God is light, and God is life, and in him is the light of the world. And so when we have God, then we have everything present that we need for love and for peace and for goodness and for justice. But whenever we get separated, we start getting off a little bit. And so spiritual death is this force that comes against us that produces anxiety. It produces angst. It produces anger. It produces jealousy. It gets in the middle of everything, and, and it begins to, to destroy everything that, wants, that God wants to give us. Uh, we, we find ourselves not being able to love very well anymore because now we are selfish. We lose our peace because we're worried and we're stressed, and what if this happens, and what if that happens, and all the issues of life. We, we lose our joy. Our joy becomes very sporadic. Instead of having an inner joy that lasts throughout, no matter what's going on, uh, you know, God says that he wants to give us a joy that, that is above all of your issues and all of your problems. So it's a joy that says, I know things may look bad right now, but my God is still on the throne and he is able and he is willing. And so I can still celebrate him and I can say, this is the day the Lord has made, good or bad. 
but I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. But when the enemy gets in and that spiritual death begins to get in there, then our joy becomes sporadic and we only have joy or happiness when our environment and our circumstances are good. And when everything is good, then we're okay. And when it's not, then we're upset, we're mad, we're angry, we're bitter, we're depressed, whatever it is. And so spiritual death is always working. And anywhere you look in our life in creation, death is at work. Death entered when Adam ate the fruit, and it has been here ever since, and it will be here until God says something different. But there is hope that we have. We do not have to live as a victim to death because death has a master, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is our Lord and Savior. The Bible says that he conquered sin, death, and hell. Amen? And so, amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. And so I, I don't have to live as a victim. I don't have to just let things happen. But instead, I have God who says, as long as I am here, you can have the power to overcome spiritual death. You don't have to live in it. You don't have to be a victim to it. You can overcome it. The Bible says you have been made to be more than an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want you to know, as long as God is alive, there is hope in this life. There is hope in the middle of your storms, the middle of your problems. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so let's get into this, and I want to talk about how we deal with spiritual death and being surrounded by death. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Everybody say clothed. Now, this is a reference to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came in a brand new way. We experience the Holy Spirit now differently than they did in the past ever since the day of Pentecost. We have a personal experience with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so what he's saying here, he's talking about this day, and he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be clothed with power from on high. You as a believer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have already been clothed in power from on high. Amen? I, I, I have seen the pictures. They never let me go to these uh, uh, wedding, uh, what do they call them? The parties before the wedding? The wedding showers? Wedding shower, that's what it is, right? Well, hey, I've never been. Leave me alone, okay? I've never been. So, but I've seen the pictures where they take and they have this game where they dress the women up in a toilet paper wedding dress. Have y'all seen that? Just wrap them up. You know, the first time I, I said, why are there mummies at the wedding? I, I don't get it. But <clears throat> that God wants to totally wrap you up in glory. He has already wrapped you up in glory, wrapped you up in power. Now, it is a supernatural power. Everybody say supernatural, meaning it supersedes what is natural. What is natural is the spirit of death. That is the natural way of our earth. It's the natural way of our humanity. It is the natural way of our existence, spiritual death. If you take God out of everything and just let it go as it goes and without any influence, it is always going to lead to death. It's going to lead to more decay, to more bondage. Spiritually, it's going to lead to more division, more anger, more depression. More... That's why we're seeing the divorce rate skyrocketing and depression skyrocketing and drug abuse and alcohol. It's all going up and up and up. That is the natural way of death. It is always working to create these pressures where you are stressed, afraid, angry, and then we got to go find some kind of relief, and we get into addictions, and we do all that. But you have already, as a believer, been clothed in power. So my question to you today is if you've been clothed in supernatural power, 
why keep living in death? If you've already been clothed in power. Now, this is a supernatural, which means the natural way of death, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit allows me to live above the natural way that life goes, the natural way of spiritual death. It, it, is, it is a power alive inside of me by the Holy Spirit that allows me to change the trajectory of any situation or circumstance. My Bible says that faith can move what? mountains. In other words, there is a faith inside of me that can change what's out here. It can change relationships. It can change circumstances. It can change environments. When you have a problem, you don't have to just sit back and just let natural death take over and everything just goes bad and everything goes to hell in a handbasket. You have a power that is supernatural, that is from on high, that can change everything all around because God is still good. Amen? And so why do we want to live in that? Let's get deeper into that. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, uh, it says, On one occasion, while he, talking about Christ, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised. Now, he's referencing the same time, the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And here's what I want you to see. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times, the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and into the ends of the earth. Amen? Uh, so the power... The supernatural power that we are constantly asking God for when we pray that he would intervene and intercede for us is also the same power that makes me a witness. You see, many of us, we have been clothed in power, the supernatural power, but we're not living in it because we've not accepted the role of being a witness. We don't want to tell anybody. We say, God, can you please do this miracle for me? And, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. And then when it happens, we don't tell nobody. But the power is intended to work in me to make me a witness. We like to take the power of God and segment it and say, Lord, I, I want to see your power in fixing this. If you could just, you know, make my wife nice today, that, that would be great. You know, if you, if you could just help my children obey, if you could just do that, and we want all that. But don't ask me to go tell somebody about Jesus. And when we do that, we misunderstand the whole purpose of the power is to help me be a witness. If I choose not to tell anybody, if I don't want to be a witness, if I don't want to share my testimony, then I am limiting and stifling the power of God to do miracles. And we're sitting here wondering, why won't God do anything? Well, because God's saying, the last time I did something, you kept your mouth shut. And nobody got the glory. People thought it was a coincidence. God needs to be glorified. Amen? There are different kinds of witnesses. There is a kind of witness that sees it from afar off, and he can tell the cops, well, this was a license plate number, or it was a brown car, radio, whatever it was. But there is another kind of witness that's in the middle, and, and there is no better witness than the guy who's in the bank when he gets robbed because he's seen the, the culprit face to face. And so when he says, I am going to release power so you can become a witness, he's saying, I want you to personally experience the power and the glory of God. 
I, I want to work in you and through you to change your family, change your circumstance, change your life, change the life of your children, your grandchildren for generations. I want you to, it's good to sit back and say, I liked his testimony. And we put people up here and they say, well, God did this. And it's good to hear the testimony of other people, but God wants to do it in your life. You personally, you, amen? He knows your name. He knows your situation. He wants to do it in your life. He wants you to be a witness. Amen? And we stifle that when we say, well, I don't want to say anything. Uh, now, think about this. The purpose of a witness is to influence the jury. Everybody say jury. To influence the jury. You ever gone to jury duty? You're sitting there listening to them? And you, you know, I've, I went to one and I'm thinking, that guy is lying, 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 right? And I'm trying to figure out what's true, what's not true. You see, a witness influences the jury. One of the reasons that we limit the power of God is because all of our friends are other witnesses. We don't have any friends that are outside the church. We don't have any friends that are not Christians already. Remember, he said, you will receive power, then you will become my witnesses, and, and, and then he begins to list off where. In other words, you're going to go out and you're going to speak to people, talk to people, interact with people that don't know me. You see, if I want the power of God to do miracles, but I don't want to purposely go and find somebody who needs God and try to minister to them, then I am stifling the power of God. And the whole point, he said, I have clothed you with power to move mountains, to change everything. But if you only want to give a testimony in church, we're all witnesses. The point of a witness is to influence the jury. The jury's on the outside. It's people trying to say, well, I'm not sure about those Jesus people. I'm not sure about this God thing. I'm not sure about church. I'm just not sure about that. That's who we got to go to. That is the whole point. You can't say, give me the power over here, but don't make me do this. It is the same power that does miracles that also causes you to be a witness to the jury. Amen? The power of God's not just about you. Amen? Most of our prayer list is, Lord, do this for me and do this for me and do this for me. Yeah, I remember my mother-in-law. Okay, so there you go, right? And he, he, uh, Way down the list, way down the list, right? But it's not about you. God says, I want to do this in you so it goes through you so you're a witness to the church and you're a witness to the jury trying to figure out, is God real or not? And you can't segment. You can't say, Lord, give me this, but don't give me that. And this is why we don't live in the power of God because we only want part. We don't want all. Lord, I need the miracles. I need for you to inter interact and intercede. I need all that. But I can't say that and then say, I don't want to talk about it. Everybody ought to be a preacher. Amen? I have like five of you. That's good. That's good. Let me keep going now. Praise the Lord. All right. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Everybody say advocate. Advocate. Advocate is a helper. It is a support. It, it is somebody that is there for you. God's not going to do it for you. One of the reasons we don't live in the power of God is because we want to sit back and say, God, you do it. But the Bible doesn't say that God will do it. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen? So he has clothed you with power so you can go and do it. 
Amen. You want your family to change? You can't just sit in a closet and pray. You need to get in the closet and pray and then come out and do what God told you to do while you're in the closet. Amen. And, and you may think, well, I can't do it. I don't have the words to say. I'm not sure what's going to happen. That's the whole point. He is clothing you with the power so that when you get out there, you can do it. Amen. You, you think about the disciples on the day of Pentecost, and, and God is saying, you're going to be my witness to the whole world. And the first thing they thought of is, well, we only know one language. And so on the day of Pentecost, they started preaching, and God touched their effort and expanded it miraculously where everybody heard it in their own language. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so if we just begin to do it, but I've got to do something. I can't just sit back and say, you know, Lord, I wish my marriage was better, but I sit in the recliner and watch TV, and I never talk to my wife, never pray for my wife, never do. How can you do that? Lord, I wish my kid would quit rebelling, but I don't do anything. I don't talk to him. I don't go play basketball with him. I don't, I, 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 well, that's enough of that. You understand? We have to go and do it. The Holy Spirit's not going to do it with you. We limit the power of God because we want him to do it all. And he has said, I've given you the power for you to do it all. You may go, well, what's, what's the purpose in that? Because when, if he does it, then if no one talks about it, if no one understands it, they'll say, well, it was just a coincidence. It was just circumstance. Say la vie. But when you do it, and then you testify about it, God gets the glory. Amen. Amen? And you are a witness. Let me keep going. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist said this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Everybody say fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And so there's a little bit of reference here to an agricultural thing where they would, they would cut the wheat stalks, and they would lay it upon a large stone, and then they would have the oxen come around, and the oxen would step on it. And as they stepped on it, it separated the wheat that they could use for food and chaff, which was not worth anything. And then they took the chaff and they burned it up in the fire. And so here, uh, talking about the same thing, the power that we have is through the person of God in the Holy Spirit, amen? Uh, but the Holy Spirit is a fire. He is an unquenchable fire. And so if I'm going to live in the power of God, you can't just say, Lord, give me all the miracles. You also have to say, Lord, burn up inside of me what's not right within me. If it's unholy, then I want you to get it out of me. If it's not righteous, then get it out. And, and so we we stifle the power of God because we don't own our sin. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen? And, and, but we don't do that. Have you ever known somebody and, and, and they want to fight with you and then fight and fight and then two days later they act like nothing ever happened? Don't talk about it. Don't bring it up. Don't apologize. They're just like, hey, like nothing ever happened in the world, right? And then a week later, it happens again, and it's a cycle because it never gets dealt with. You see, and that's what we do with God. We sin, and then we just let it go, and we pretend it didn't happen. We feel bad, but we don't deal with it. We need to confess our sins to the Lord. We need to say, Lord, here's what I have done. I am repenting. I'm getting away from this so he can cleanse us. I can't ask for miraculous things to happen from God and not allow him to burn up the chaff. Amen. We have to let him burn up the chaff. Now, he is a fire, and so the only thing 
that fire doesn't destroy is fire. When fire burns up, it burns up everything in its path except itself. Fire spreads. If God is burning up the chaff and he is a fire, then what should be left in me is fire. You see, we limit the power of God in our life. He has clothed, clothed us in power, but we limit the power of God when we don't choose to be on fire for him. And what we do is we sit back and we say, Lord, make me on fire for you. And then it's time to worship. We're like, Somebody will say, hey, you want to go to Bible study? It's Monday night football. <laughs> you see, being set on fire, it is unnatural. Because what is natural is a state of death. What is natural is not want to go to church, not want to read your Bible, not want to be in the fellowship of believers. It is to be lazy. It's to sit around. It's to get uh, bogged down and distracted by all the issues of life. That is the natural way. What is unnatural is say, I'm going to humble myself before God, sacrifice my time, sacrifice my mind, and get right and worship him with all my heart. It is unnatural. Amen? It is unnatural. And so... It will never happen until you do it. And I want to say today, of everything I've talked about today, if you don't choose to be on fire for God, nothing else is going to come. Because there is no way you're going to start giving testimony unless you're on fire for God. There's no way you're going to begin to confess your sin unless you're on fire for God. There's no way you're going to do anything. You're not going to go out in the world and talk about God unless you're on fire. You have to choose and say, Lord, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you all my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole body. I'm giving you everything, and I choose to be on fire for you. Amen? I choose to be on fire. Now, this is just the beginning. I got through my introduction. So, uh, I'm half kidding. Uh, but listen, the next three or four weeks, I'm going to get into this deep. How to live in the power that God has already given you. Amen. So I really want you to come back and, and be here at least for this series. I think it will make a big difference. But today, I want to ask you, make a decision to be on fire for him. Amen? Amen? Stand up and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and glory today. And Lord, for anybody in this house, Lord, that, that is not on fire, help us to make a decision today to be on fire for you. Like these that were baptized have made a decision, Lord, help us all to make that decision every single day. And Lord, that we know that as we do this, that you will burn up the chaff. You will do great things in our life. You have promised that even greater things will happen in our lives. So we trust you in that. Lord, as we get ready to leave today, let this be our song of prayer. Let it sit in our spirit and help us, God, to get on fire for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.